And welcome back to Traditions. I'm Ron Alesco. Glad you're with us this afternoon. And I am so glad to finally have a, an opportunity to introduce this next guest. I think uh, I first saw him, it must have been three years ago, at the Old Songs Festival. And everybody's walking around saying, you've got to go see this guy. You've got to go see him. And I was just astounded. And since then, uh, we've been playing his music on the air. Caught up with him last year in February in Nashville at the uh, Folk Alliance. And he is back in the country. And he's with us in the studio today. I'd like to welcome to the WFDU studios, Les Barker. How are oh, you, Les? I'm all right. Oh, it's so good to have you here. I know you uh, you come to this country uh, you know, two or three times a year. And uh, to get an opportunity to finally sit down with you and, and, and share some of your, your stories and, and your songs... Uh, I'm always amazed. I, you don't you don't perform. You don't do it. I mean, you don't play an instrument or you don't no, sing. No, I don't understand music at all. But yet, you've done some of the most brilliant parodies. You have such a huge following in in, in the folk community. How how does a, a non musical person uh, get to that point? I I just count the notes and then put the same number of syllables there. <laughs> well, it's it's working. It's working. We've been playing some of your your parodies for for, for a number of years now. Did did you start out in in folk music? You were a fan of uh, of, the, of the genre. I, I accidentally went there. Uh-huh. I, I wrote a poem for no particular purpose apart from to pass the time when I was at college and did nothing with it for about four or five years. And then later on, I got a job as an accountant and my boss was in a folk band and I handed him this poem just so that he, he could read it. And he thought, oh, this is really good. I'll take it away and perform it. Uh-huh. So I went along to his club and every time I went, they said, go on, do one. And I said, no. <laughs> and I thought, that they're, they're going to force me to do this. So I, I rehearsed constantly for three weeks and then went along with my poem prepared and they didn't ask me. <laughs> I, th- I thought, if I don't do it now, I'll never do it. So, uh-huh. I, so I volunteered and it just right. grew out of that. Oh, it's amazing. You have such a warm presence on stage and uh, you really capture an audience. And, you know, I've heard people say, well, you know, we're going to a folk concert to watch a guy talk, read poetry. And then as soon as they see you, they're, they're, they're won over. Uh, you know, normally when I start an interview with somebody, I always like them, you know, as a musician to, to, uh, to play a song. But, you know, would you mind doing a, would one of your stories to, to, to I, get us I, I'll warmed do up? It. I'll do a thingy. <laughs> I'll do whatever they are. <laughs> I don't know what they are. <laughs> I've bought a computer. It costs a thousand pound, but every time I switch it on, it keeps on falling down. I used to think it was my friend, but now it drives me round the bend. You'd be surprised the time I spend reinstalling Windows. I switch it on. What is this? Something wrong with config, sis? This isn't my idea of bliss. Reinstalling Windows. (laughs) I want to share my printers and I want to share my files. I want to share my anger because it drives me blooming wild. My songs, they say, can be sublime. I've conquered cadence, mastered rhyme. But nowadays I spend my time reinstalling Windows. (laughs) Reinstall, oh what fun, it says it helps you get things done. Every day now, everyone's reinstalling Windows. Watch the screen, it will say, all you do is plug and play. How do I spend every day reinstalling Windows? <laughs> it can't find my printer and it can't locate my mouse. The other day it told me they're in another house. Still unplugged, still unplayed, I emailed God in search of aid. 
He's far too busy, I'm afraid. Reinstalling windows. <laughs> Up at dawn for one more try. Does it work? Can pigs fly? How do I expect to die? Reinstalling windows. <laughs> oh, that's great. When, when did you write that? I think it was just after I lost six months of my life due to Windows 98. <laughs> now, now, do you have to keep updating that poem every, uh, every, every six oh, months? Oh, no. Each, <laughs> each new version of Windows still works. <laughs> that or rather, brilliant. still doesn't work. Oh, that is brilliant. Oh, Les Barker, it is so much fun to have you here today. And, and the things that you write about, I mean, I've, I've read some of uh, reviews of you, and, and, and you've been compared to, to people like here in the U.S., like Stephen Wright, who is a brilliant, uh, does some brilliant wordplay. And uh, um, your parodies and your wordplay, and what are some of the people that kind of inspired you? And where did, where did this all come from? I think the very first thing was when I was in primary school and Miss Gladding read Winnie the Pooh. Mm-hmm. That, that was the first inspiration. And then about a year or so later came The Goon Show. Oh, yes. Yeah, it's been the inspiration for just about every English comedian over a 40-year period from the 50s onwards. It's It was a totally mad radio show that, that wouldn't have worked on TV because it only works when you've got to imagine it yourself. Right. You, you build your own pictures. Right, exactly. And that's, I think, what, what, what the pictures of you do. Um, I, I want to play something from one of your CDs. You um, have done some parodies of, of folk songs. And there's one, um, Spencer's Dog Rover. Um, let's play that now. Would you like to do an introduction to this? Oh, I, I don't really know how to describe it. it it's, it's good to watch it done live because Hillary and Allison dress up like dogs and look totally stupid all the way through it. <laughs> well, here's Mrs. Ackroyd's band, and we'll tell you about that in just a moment. And Les Barker's Spencer's Dog Rover. These words were composed by Spencer's Dog Rover. Woof, 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 arf, arf, woof, 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 arf, arf. I have found a large cowpat and I have rolled over. Woof, 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 arf, arf, woof, 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 arf, arf. In Yorkshire, near Rotherham, he had been on his rambles. What was the rest? I've just dragged poor Spencer through briars and brambles. Woof, 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 arf, arf. I like that bit best. He sang the song sweeter than Capstick or Burland. Woof, 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 arf, arf, woof, 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 arf, arf. I'll bring you a stick. Which I think you should hurl and I'll bring the stick back. Woof, 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 arf, arf. <laughs> The night fast approaching to the woods he resorted with woodbine and ivy and his woof, 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 woof stuff. And he sang the last line alphabetically sorted. Arf, 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 arf. Woof, woof, woof. November? He could not quite remember. Was it woof, woof, then arf, arf, or arf, arf, and woof, woof. They stood so surprised when first he 
arrived. Was it woof, 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 arf, arf? Yes, that sounds just right. <laughs> the children came around him with their brittle prattling stories. With his woof, 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 arf, arf, he drove them away, for they were affrighted. No sane child ignores his woof, 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 arf, arf, and sees a new day. So now he is living in his kennel, contented with woodbine and roses and coldies his nose. He's as happy as those who have thousands of bitches. Woof, 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 woof. Or so I've been told. Spencer's Dog Rover, Mrs. Aykroyd's Band. That's uh, the, the, the group that is performing these wonderful songs of uh, parodies of, of Les Barker that appears on a collection that came out last year called Yelp. And I'm sure all of our folk fans remember, uh, um, was it Sp- Spencer Spencer the Rover? Which that's I, right, yeah. yeah. You, you took true. that one from. Um, Mrs. Aykroyd's Band, now that's the uh, the pseudonym for the, the group that, uh, that follows you and does these performances. Who was Mrs. Aykroyd? She was my dog. She started on the folk scene maybe about early 1980s, I should think. I had her a year or so, and I I took her along to my local folk club because they liked me there, and it was my birthday, and I thought, they won't mind. (laughs) And she just took over the entire evening, and from from then onward, she went all over the country with me, and I'd work really hard all night and she'd lie there doing nothing whatsoever and people would come up at the end of the night and say, what a nice dog. <laughs> right, all the credit, huh? Oh, yep, and she a... bit him. <laughs> that wasn't very nice. Oh, uh, especially the Morris men. She liked biting Morris men. Because of all the, uh, the, the bells, bells and things. things yeah, yes. It's so. very, very attractive for dogs. Oh, yes, <laughs> and I did encourage it. <laughs> you were doing a favour for the... Uh... For the world, yes. <laughs> Oh, well, we will have to be careful. Do you, now, do you have another dog? Because there's a lot of dog uh, uh, poems and stories going yeah, through it, here. It just became compulsory to have dog titles for the books after a while. Uh, I don't have a dog now because I'm doing all this traveling. I'm, sure. I'm here three times a year and Australia and New Zealand occasionally. So it, it just wouldn't be fair to have a dog and leave it at home for a month or two at a time. Right. It's a shame. I really like oh, one. Oh, I can see. Do you, do you have another poem of, about a dog that you might be able to read for us? I, I can do a dog one, yes. I'll just write one now. <laughs> Les has... Uh, what last I heard was over 55 books. Is oh, it? it's 70. 70. Wow, yeah. you've got a huge stack here of these, these wonderful poems. I'd always wanted a dog. So one day I took in a stray... He didn't want to leave me, and so I called him Stay. I knew it was a mistake the first time I told Stay to go. Go, Stay! And I pointed, but did Stay go? No. Go, Stay, I said, and he started. He was going, and then he was not. He looked at me sad and confused, and two big eyes said... What? I threw him a stick. I said, fetch, stay. He started and stopped all in one. I never got round to come here, stay. 
Stay couldn't come, he'd not gone. He wanted to please, but he couldn't. I spoke, but he just didn't know. So I got him a spaniel for company. I shouldn't have called it go. I said stay go, and go would stay a second, then both stay and go were away. I had to shout, come here, stay and go. They were coming and going all day. I said stay, go and stay. I tried, go, stay and go. Nothing seemed to get through. It's not they were both saying no. They were both saying, does he mean you? It's all very well in the park, but what if we stood at the curb? Two lost souls in the dark. Which one's the verb? I've got him a new friend now. I found him, a poor starving wretch. I hope they'll be happy together. Go and stay, come and meet, fetch. <laughs> oh, that's wonderful. For those of you listening at home, there's nothing wrong with your radio. That was <laughs> that was Les Barker, and uh, I, can, I can see where the confusion would start there. Was that go, stay, go? Is that what you... I go, stay, fetch. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Les Barker's with us today on Traditions, and uh, we're, we're sharing some wonderful stories. You, you mentioned before that you, you first wrote your first parody when you were working as an accountant. I guess that was after after college. Was that when you first started writing, or were you writing earlier than that? Well, I'd always done odd things when I was at school. Mm-hmm. We'd get English homework homework every week, and every two weeks I'd do a funny one, and then in the weeks in between I'd do a serious one to, just to keep the teachers happy. Mm-hmm. They used to say, stop doing these funny ones, it'll never get you anywhere. Oh. You know? <laughs> If they could see you now, right? Yeah. Now, you, you said you were an accountant. I, I find that interesting because I've known a lot of musicians that um, had either jobs as accountant or mathematicians. They went to college for it. There's something about numbers that uh, somehow gets into music and poetry. Is there a connection somehow? Not for me. I know there is for a lot of musicians. Mm-hmm. People I know who are musicians are fascinated by numbers, and music is a mathematical thing. Mm-hmm. And some of them get very excited about maths, but I, I don't. <laughs> it, it was just the sort of general idea that you you have to go out and get a job and then in the evenings you can do what you like. Right. So I went out and got the job. <laughs> and it took me 18 years to find out I could spend all day doing what I like. That's that's marvellous. When did you make the leap from being an accountant to a, to a full-time writer slash performer slash traveller slash whatever? <laughs> just call me Slash. <laughs> slash. <laughs> I was around 1985, I think. I'd, I'd just had enough of accountancy, yeah. and I'd been gradually building up the amount of work that I was getting as a poet. Not deliberately, it just happened, but by the time I was fed up of accountancy, that there was just about a career there for me, so mm-hmm. I, I took the leap, and it and it worked, and it's just grown. Yeah, and you've grown with um, a huge following, in, in, especially in the English folk scene. Uh, I'm looking at your, your CDs. We've been playing them on the air. Um, the artists that you get to record your songs. I was astounded uh, when I heard Cyril Tawney's version of uh, Sammy's Bar. Sammy's Bar, I guess, revisited the, the piece that you did. I mean, a lot of performers are very, very particular about their music, but yet, you know, you did a wonderful parody, and, uh, you know, Cyril... Went and recorded it. Oh, yes. Cyril loves doing things like that. And a lot of folk performers are great about letting people use their songs. It's not it's not a type of music where people think things are sacred as, right. as a rule. And 
I suppose I've got a reputation for for doing things properly, so that when I write something, they know that I've done a good job on it, and then when I give it back to them, they're going to do a good job of recording it, mm-hmm. because they know how to do it. Well, let's listen now to Cyril Tawney. This is a song that I'm sure all of you know, because we've, we've played it uh, a number of times on this program, uh, Sammy's Bar. And here is uh, Les's version, as sung by Cyril Tawney. I went down to Sammy's bar All the lampposts are leaning Just went out to have a jar All the way up Hyde Road Only had a jar or two And the lampposts are leaning in the way that lampposts do All the way up Hyde Road It must have been the Chester's mild Hey, up the lampposts are leaning It must drive the doggies wild All the way up Hyde Road I went on to Bottle Stout And the lampposts are leaving The buggers keep moving about All the way up Hyde Road Must find me car It's closing time Me and the lampposts are leaving But the pavement's hard to climb Up the north face of Hyde Road Either I'm completely canned Or the lampposts are leaving One of them just trod on me hand On its way up Hyde Road I drove away from Sammy's bar As the lampposts were leaving But one jumped out and hit me car And ran away up Hyde Road They must have drunk too much light ale The way the lampposts are leaning Why is it me that's here in jail And them that's free on Hyde Road That's Cyril Tawney and a version of Sammy's Bar, Sammy's Bar Revisited. And that appears on a collection from our guest today, Les Barker. The collection is called Guide Cats for the Blind. Now, could you explain this collection to us and and the title? It, it, it was a bizarre event from beginning to end. <laughs> it, it all started maybe a couple of years ago when someone rang my agent and said, I, I'd like Les to do this charity event for, for to raise funds for our, our church steeple. And it was for St. Philip's Church in Maidstone and they wanted to call it Pops for Pips, <laughs> which seemed a pretty stupid name, but they were paying. Right. So. <laughs> <laughs> and He sort of pestered us a great deal about publicity and interviews and things, but it worked. We did a big theatre and the place was absolutely packed and it was a good night, so that was fine. 
And then about a month later, I got an email from him to say that it would be a really good idea if the BBC presenter who does the shipping forecast on the BBC did my version. And that, as it happened, had already been recorded for a festival in England, so I just told him where to find it, and he went and got it. And then a month later, he emailed again and said, there's an actor on the Vicar of Dibley who'd be just perfect for another of your poems. So I sent him the words, and he went and found the actor and got that recorded, and it it sort of gradually grew into this project, which was to make an album to raise funds for the British Computer Association of the Blind. Mm-hmm. Who are people, it's a voluntary body, and they're, they're all blind, and the purpose is to to explain to mainly to newly blind people what software is available to either turn speech into letters on the screen so you can print a letter out or vice versa right, or, okay. or to take text and make it really big if you're almost blind mm-hmm. so there's all sorts of stuff available and it was it's it's a project to show people what there is out there to mm. use and it, it was definitely a worthwhile cause sure. and he's he's a fan of mine he wanted to showcase what I was doing so he went out and fo- found all the BBC producers and the actors and I, I put a few folkies in the album for him and he asked about 45 people in the expectation that he'd get about 15 and he'd have enough for one CD but wow. about about 36 people said yes so he's got two CDs that's brilliant Yeah. how many CDs have you recorded in, in your career? I think it's about 15. 15, yeah. yeah. yeah they're all just so delightful. I, I, whenever one comes out, there's always uh, um, some new topical songs, some, some poems, or thingies, as you, you were, yeah, you've thingies. been calling them. Yeah, I don't know what they are. <laughs> um, well, could you share another thingy with us? Oh, I'll do a thingy, uh, yes. Uh, I'll do this thingy here. Thank you for calling today. Our staff are here to inform or discuss... But first, let me assure you that your call is very important to us. With every hour that passes our commitment to you grows stronger, and so we'll play the birdie song and ignore you for a little longer. Thank you for calling today. Your call is in a queue. I think you might as well forget whatever else you had to do. We applaud your great persistence in this long and hard endeavour. Please dial one for a 20-minute message of no relevance to you whatsoever. Dial two to access our menu. Dial three to access nothing at all. Dial four to be mysteriously disconnected and have to make another call. Thank you for calling today to avail of our voicemail facility. We thank you for your patience and continuing stupidity. Your call is very important. We want you to know that we care. Press the star key to speak to a human being. Ah, fooled you there. (laughs) Dial two for the chance to dial one. Dial one for the chance to dial two. Dial three for disconnection and the subsequent deja vu. Press the keys, mark pound and star, and then your 19-digit pin. We'll know exactly who you are, but we still won't let you in. (laughs) And while you drift on passing time and contemplate infinites, 
Here's the theme from the deer hunter for a further 40 minutes. We've installed the latest technology and our business just blossomed and grew. Thank you for calling the suicide hotline. Your call is in a queue. Oh, that's brilliant. I, I I guess when I heard that the first time, I realized, well, you know, it's not just here in the U.S. I guess that, that that's oh, it's, international. it's everywhere, oh. yes. <laughs> when did you first start coming to the United States? Was that around mid I think it was 94. Mm-hmm. I, did, I did the Folk Alliance in Boston that year, and then that summer I did a few Canadian festivals, and I think three gigs in the States yeah. as well. Now, you, uh, when, when you listen to your CDs, uh, you know, my first thought was, well, this is you know, very English. How, how is this going to go over with American audiences? But they relate. Obviously, that last piece we just heard is, uh, is universal. Oh, yeah. Uh, there are one or two things I can't do. The, the one about the shipping forecast won't work in, in America because it's, right. it's, a, it's a very strange English custom. But very little of what I do is, is like that. It, yeah. it's, it's all based on logic or small furry animals or <laughs> something that that's something, all around the world. Yeah, something we can all relate to. Yeah. You, you, I mean, when, you, when you're writing songs or in poems or thingies, um, you're just obviously looking at everything. How do you pick up on, on some of these things? What, what inspires you? Well, in, in some cases, it... it I, I, some cases I know where it comes from. Uh, I mean, that one about the voicemail stuff, sure? I, I know where that comes from. <laughs> you know where that right. comes from. And Stay, Go and Fetch, that came from seeing a a comedian on TV doing a little mime thing about a dog called Stay. And I just expanded it to a two-page poem with, with two extra dogs in. But a lot of them just come out of nowhere. Uh-huh. I'll, I'll be driving the van or lying in the bath and... Something stupid will arrive in my head from nowhere. <laughs> oh, it's, it's just brilliant, brilliant stuff. Um, when, when you come to the U.S., I know you spend some time with the East Coast, you've traveled to Canada. Do you, do you kind of mark your tours, you know, this time of the year, I'm going to go this wet east? Or, uh... um, I, I, I do tend to do the East Coast and then the Midwest on the next tour and then the West Coast on the tour after that. But obviously festivals I've got to go the weekend the festival's sure. on so sure. that does interrupt things a bit but yes there is an approximate plan although it doesn't always work and I guess you're, you're always traveling in the country do you do you pick up things that are particularly American that you write about too or yeah I've done that in all the countries I've been to I suppose being a writer you look around at all the things that are around you and you, you spot little strange things I've, I've, I've worked out in the last few days that the the way that America's developed, you know, just the details of how shopping centres are arranged mm-hmm. in America and how roads are is is very slightly different from how it is in, in the UK and it's it's a bit like comparing different types of Galapagos finches. <laughs> okay. <laughs> they they've just sort of diverged through being several thousand miles apart and they they've developed along slightly different roads. Right, right. Oh, it's clever. Uh, I want to play another recording from from your your CD. And we were talking before about uh, some of the wonderful artists that you've uh, recorded with. Um, let's see. Let's play. Well, let's play Jason and the Arguments. Okay. okay. No, 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 let's not. No. All right. Let, all right. Let's. Yes. No. Yes. <laughs> yes no. Okay. All right. Let's. We're, this is <laughs> this is Mark and Lard. No, yes. Who, uh, who Radio One personalities in the UK. Radio One is is the pop music channel, and Mark Radcliffe is is a DJ who has been on Radio One for several years. And Mark's someone he brought into the studio. He just argues with him a lot, 
so it, it seemed a good poem to give to him. Jason was a golden youth who lived in the city of Troy. He went in search of the Golden Fleece, though he never quite said why. Jason's gang went with him when he went off on his wonders. He rode a Grecian 2000, but the rest of the lads had Hondas. It's Jason and the Arguments. Argonauts, that's what we're called. No, we're not. Yes, we are. No, we're not. So, Arguments they were, after all. Jason's parents were vegetarian, voted SDP, and had Trojan Horse No Thanks stickers on the back of their 2CV. But Jason was not like his parents. Where they preached love, he'd hate. He superglued the cat to the record player and played it at 78. But who are these valiant Greeks sailing off in a pea-green yacht? It's Jason and the Arguments. No, it's not. Yes, it is. No, it's not. They sailed in search of the golden fleece that shone as with sun-given rays. Sheep are like that round Sellafield, though it was called something else in those days. Through the uncharted Irish Sea, they sailed through the night all alone. The Isle of Man hasn't got a lighthouse, because it glows quite enough on its own. But who are these valiant Greeks who navigate by the Pole Star? It's Jason and the Arguments. No, we're not. Yes, we are. No, we're not. We're doing it the wrong way round now. No, we're not. Yes, we are. Now, look, I'll take over. You're losing it, Arkid. No, I'm not. Shut up, you great wazzock. It's my turn. No, it's not. Shut up. By the light of the Morecambe Bay prawns, they knew their destination was near. And when they saw Cerberus, the three-headed dog, this must be Sellafield, we're here. Are you sure it's safe, they asked, in the purple light of the bay. Don't worry, it's perfectly safe, said a spokesman from a long way away. They were met by a two-headed maiden, herding a four-headed cow, in a village just south of Workington, or not Workington as they call it now. Welcome to Excremont, she said, and very appropriate too. Do you call yourself Jason and the Arguments? Yes, we do. No, we don't. Yes, we do! Though she had two civil tongues in her heads, Jason thought that she was two-faced. She had far more breasts than he could handle, and her dress had a low-level waist. Are you sure it's safe? asked Jason, perturbed by the two-headed spinster. Don't worry, it's perfectly safe, said a voice from the Palace of Westminster. Shepherds never lose their flocks. You can see them lit up on the peaks. And as for the market gardening, we're famous for our leeks. You must face a cross-eyed cyclops. He lives in a cave on the moor. The wind was strong as they climbed up the hill and made their way to the door. It was around force eight on the wind scale, though you mustn't call it that now. It's nothing to do with Sellafield, and neither's a four-headed cow. The giant fixed them with his baleful stare which nobody seemed to like. He said, I am the Cyclops. My friends all call me Bike. My name is Polyphemus. Rocks and boulders I hurl. Mr and Mrs Femus called me Polly because he wanted a girl. Polly wasn't too bright. Polly, in fact, was quite dim, which makes it all the more surprising. They named all them colleges after him. He was no match for quick-witted Jason, whose long sword flashed twice in the sky. The Cyclops' ears lay deaf on the floor, and his hat fell down over his eye. Nothing can stop us, cried Jason. Whatever tries, we shall kill. What do you say, my brave arguments? Yes, we will. No, we won't. Yes, we will. The arguments were spoiling for a fight. No, they weren't. Yes, they were. It seemed nothing could stand against their wrath, until they saw the terrible beast that lay like a curse in their poth. Poth? Poth, it's Greek. No, it's not. 
The fearsome seven-headed Nolans guarded the Golden Fleece. Jason looked for an argument. They were suddenly halfway to Greece. The seven-headed singing Nolan, a sight no man can face, and whenever one head got married, another one grew in its place. The ultimate fast breeder, Jason called it a day. It's nothing to do with Sellafield, said a voice from a long way away. Well, I think it is. It isn't. Yes, it is. No, it's not. It is. Don't be stupid. Of course it is, right? You've done nothing about it, right? I've I mean, done like... my best. Listen, it's a blooming long poem, this. So Your best is garbage, now, isn't it? I listen, mean, I had that right, no and you just butted in, right? That got better Coming than it in went with on. your big size 30s and everything. Jason and the arguments, Mark and Lard. Les Barker is with us today, the uh, the writer of that brilliant piece, and Les has given us some wonderful uh uh, characters over the year, um, the the knife thrower, uh, Cosmo, Cosmo, the fairly accurate. Uh, That's it. <laughs> where do you, I, I can see the Goon Show influence coming out again on this? Is that yeah? Where, again, I don't know where that one came from. Yeah, I, was, I set out to write one about a, a stunt motorcyclist called Evil Schmevel, <laughs> and Cosmo just sort of crept into it in theory, as a minor character, and just t- took over the poem. Uh-huh. And he's still around. I've written about three or four Cosmo poems now. And there was one that you did on one of your albums about zebras. Yes. Could you uh, honour us with that piece? Well, I think I could do that one. It's another one of the the, the animal themes of, yeah. of Les Barker. Where nature's seen at its wildest, out on the African plains, lost amongst the wildebeest and the springbok, Chasing the seasonal rains. There once lived a family of zebras, a small group of sisters and brothers, and there was one who stood out from his fellows. Spot was not like the others. Somehow he stood out in long grass, where others somehow seemed to blend. When you're trying to hide from the lions, a zebra calls Spot's not your friend. Nature can play cruel tricks. You might see it as victimisation when the rest of your family are barcodes and you're just wild punctuation. Life can be hard when you're different. It's sad how cruel folk can be. Strange how the world can be hurtful to someone not like you or me. Spot may have been modest and clever, the fastest, the kindest, the best. But Spot was soon banished forever, for Spot was not like the rest. I went to his brothers and sisters to ask how all this came about. The trouble is, he's really a leopard, and we don't want to be there when he finds out. So he stands all alone in the grassland, life's furrow alone he must plough, for Spot was not like the others. Spot was different somehow. Oh, poor Spot. I guess the lesson there might be, you know, we have to be careful what we name our children because they, yeah. <laughs> they can grow into these things. You know, I, as I read some of these people, your, your, your thingies uh, seem to work on all levels. I mean, children, I played these for my daughter. I mean, she's just in love with with your work, work too. I mean, I think of some of the great things that... Uh, People like like Shel Silverstein would write for children, um, but you don't write for any specific age group. I mean, you're you're kind of doing it for a I, general. I write line. it for me. For you, okay. <laughs> well, I, I write things that I I find are funny. So it, uh-huh. in essence, I'm writing for me. But right. if it works for everyone, that's fine. Yeah. I, I do find that for a whole evening, an audience needs a fair amount of knowledge because 
you know, there's a fairly broad base of stuff in it. Yeah. I just try and put as much information in my head and sooner or later something useful comes out of it. Oh, I could just like to see what's going on in there. There's some wonderful stuff coming out. Uh, Les Barker's with us today. We're, I'd like to play something... Um, I hate to change the pace here, but you know, you you, you do a lot of of serious work as well, and some really moving songs. Um, I know there's an album of yours called "The Wings of Butterflies," which was uh, an album of, of anti-war poems and songs that you've written. Is it hard for you when when you when, you, when audiences they know Les Barker, they think of laughter, and then when you introduce something you know so important to to people, is it become a hard thing for you to do? It's it's a very difficult thing for for me to do. Mm-hmm. A lot of the things that I've written as a series are actually performed by other people, and whenever I do a serious album, I think it's about every third album's a serious one. It, it's always entirely made up of other people performing my stuff, and that's easy because they're used to performing. Pre- pretty serious songs and their audiences are used to that but I've started putting one or two political things in into my act and it is very difficult because the audience expects to laugh so I've got to make them laugh as well as pointing out how stupid a particular American politician is. Mm-hmm. And that, that's easy territory there. <laughs> oh, yeah. Pointing out how stupid he is is, is easy, but <laughs> right. making people laugh at what he's doing is, right, is, right. is a different Especially matter. when he's doing such a good job of his own there. Yeah. Uh, well, there, the, the Wings of Butterflies, this came out when? This was about two, three years ago? Uh, yes, I'd say. At least um, three. 90, yeah. Oh, I have 99 written down here. Um, there's a piece on here performed by Norma Waterson and Martin Carthy called Earth. And this is just a lovely piece of music. Uh could you tell us how this came to be? I found a really nice Welsh traditional tune and set some words to it. And as usual, I just emailed the words and the name of the t- tune off to various people who, who were likely to perform it. And next thing I knew, Martin had discarded the original tune and found another traditional tune which fitted it far better than the one I had, <laughs> which is what Martin does very well. He, he knows all the traditional tunes they are, there are and he knows which one ought to be with which song. And, and it works. Well, that's the folk tradition at work too, I guess. So, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Words can be used to different tunes. Let's listen now to this beautiful piece called Earth. Born away on seas of crime 
dying I am not your gift by birth Time moves on and time denying All your lives upon my earth Tides of life, your tides of battle Touch my soil with red I am not the victor's chattel Nor am I on by the dead I am earth, I am eternal You are but one moment's Just a line lost in my journal You are mine, I am not yours That's Earth performed by Norma Watterson and Martin Carthy from an album called The Wings of Butterflies, the writings of Les Barker. And Les is with us in the studio today. We're, we're, we're having a wonderful afternoon uh, of sharing these pieces with, with Les and uh, the piece we just heard, Earth, uh, Martin Carthy and Norma Watterson performing. I guess it's good to have some friends like that. Uh, I, I guess being on, on tour and performing, you've, you've got to know a lot of these uh, artists. Yeah, I've been around since 1975, so I've got to know just about everybody on the British folk scene, and, yeah. and I'm gradually getting to know all the North American folk scene as well. And it's just as wonderful and just as friendly. It's, it's, sure. it's great. And it's also nice that you know artists are, are now, not only on your albums, but I, I've noticed other artists are starting to record and perform your, your pieces in, in their performances as well. That that's must be a, a fun feeling. Oh, yes. It, it's very nice to, to hear somebody as good as Martin or June Tabor or any of the others performing something and think, I wrote that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we, we were talking before about... Um, how you, you know some of the things that happen in England and some of the things that happen in the U.S. are so universal. There, there's one song that you have that appears on Guidecast for the Blind called Jehovah's Witness at the Door. Now, I thought we were the only ones that, that uh, have this kind of reaction when we hear that doorbell ring on Sunday. Oh, but, no, we, no, we have it as well. And I can give you a, a secret as well. If you, if you get that album, invite them in and, and play them that track. They'll be completely baffled because it, it's not in the script. It really? Oh yeah! Once you once you get off the script, they're they're lost. Oh okay. Well, this is now actually a, a public service announcement uh, here on WFDU from from Les Barker. Peace is yours, and peace is mine. Man and wife are warm in bed. The Sunday papers still unread. Man and wife in wedded bliss. Share a Sunday morning kiss. You're the lady I adore. And she whispers just once more. 
man shall not live in bed alone. Best get up, your cover's blown. Sunday mornings, up the spout. Open up and stagger out. Half an hour of Holy Ghost. Fires of hell and burning toast. Brain is numb and ears are sore. Jehovah's Witness at the door. 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 All day Sunday, nine to five. Every house, Arcacia Drive. In the valley of the dead. Breakfast burnt and scriptures read. Matthew, Mark and Luke and John. On and on and on and on. Families hiding on the floor. Jehovah's Witness at the door. 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 witness on the step Jesus wants you for a rep living right and living clean learn to play the tambourine Jehovah's Witness at the gate Jehovah's Witness and her mate two by two for Tate at eight stuck on Matthew chapter eight Jehovah's Witness at the door Still, my God to thee, God he lives at 23, Neo-Georgian, you can tell, God's been doing very well. Sunday morning, half past eight, witness at the pearly gate, knocking, ringing, such a din, God's pretending he's not in. Jehovah's Witness at the door 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 Jehovah's Witness, hears a shout The Omnipresent says he's out Gone to hide beneath the bed All her watchtowers all unread Read my scriptures, won't you look? Bugger off! I wrote the book! Yesterday, my saviour swore Jehovah's Witness at the door! Jehovah's Witness at the door 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 Sunday morning to nine. Peace is yours and peace is mine. Man and wife are warm in bed. Sunday papers still unread.
that's the <laughs> Jehovah's Witness at the Door, Les Barker, from an album called Guide Cats for the Blind. By the way, if you're just tuning in, this is 89.1 WFU Teaneck, the global voice of Fairleigh Dickinson University. I'm Ron Alesco, and today we're sitting here with Les Barker. What, what are you looking to do with, with your, your performances? I mean, you, you do a lot of touring. Do you have any kind of grand plan, or is it just, uh, you know? No, I'm too busy to think about a grand plan. I just do it. Uh-huh. Have you ever thought of, you know, I, I, as we hear some of these stories and poems, I mean, these would be brilliant for uh, for animation. Uh, have you ever looked at any kind of other multimedia projects? I have thought, thought of it, but I've never persuaded anybody to do it. Uh-huh. Again, it, it may be like The Goon Show, where it, it just wouldn't work if it yeah. was visual, because everybody has their own little picture in their head, and... If somebody showed them a picture of it, they'd say, no, it's not that one. Right, that's a good point. Well, we're loving what we're, what we're hearing today, and I'm wondering, could I beg of you for, for another piece? Okay, I'll do a sad one. Oh, a sad one, okay. On a cold, rainy night on a Liverpool quayside, in the years before the Great War, the world was in shock at the loss of Titanic. So proud had they been days before, Relatives gathered for news of their loved ones to read through the list of the dead. When into the throng came a sad-eyed old polar bear and to the clerk at the counter he said, Have you got any news of the iceberg? My family were on it, you see. Have you got any news of the iceberg? They mean the whole world to me. My wife and my children were coming from Greenland to be by my side in the zoo. Belinda's my wife and the eldest called Bernard and Billy, well he's only two. I know on the ship there were hundreds of people and I know the iceberg's not yours. The polar bear's eyes held the start of his teardrops and he covered his face with his paws. Have you got any news of the iceberg? My family were on it, you see. Have you got any news of the iceberg? They mean the whole world to me. It's been over a year since I last saw my children. I left home to build my career. I've worked very hard. I'm a star in the circus. It's all been for nothing, I fear. That's my face on the poster. We're in town this week. My children were meeting me here. Everyone watched as he struggled to speak and his paw brushed away one more tear. Have you got any news of the iceberg? My family were on it, you see. Have you got any news of the iceberg? They mean the whole world to me. By now all the people had gathered beside him. His grief was one they could share. The people around him in silence and sadness listened to the sad polar bear. I wanted my children to see me performing and Belinda, she would have been proud. At last lost for words and his tears flowing freely. The question was asked by the crowd. Have you got any news of the iceberg? My family were on it, you see. Have you got any news of the iceberg? They mean the whole world to me. Oh, 
uh, we're all choked up on that one. But you look at the other side. You know, we always think of <laughs> think yeah. of what happened to the poor passengers. But uh, well, I hope he found out what happened. Do you ever think of doing a sequel to that? And <laughs> oh, that's an idea. Yeah, yeah. Right. Did he ever find them? What? What? what yeah, I'll, I'll look into that one. <laughs> Les Barker's, Thank you. Oh, my pleasure. <laughs> Les Barker's with us today, and we're looking over you know all the CDs that you've you've put out. Um, you know, you do a lot of of great folk songs, and I'd like to share another one now, a murder ballad. Now, this is sort yes. of like a kind of like a music hall piece, or what would you call it? Or that's how it's turned out. Yeah, uh-huh. um, it's basic. There's a game in the UK called Cluedo, which I think you've got over here as well. I'm not sure if the name's the same, but it's... Oh, Clue? We... Yes, it's called okay. Clue over here. But okay. Over there it's called Cluedo. And, oh, uh-huh. And I'd never actually played it, but the rest of the Mrs. Ackroyd band had, so they gave me a demonstration one afternoon so I knew what it was all about. And then I just sort of linked it in with all the big murder ballads and just mixed it all up. I knew roughly what I wanted to do, but I had to see how the game worked before I could do it. According to Miss White Miss Scarlet sits all in about The first part of the night And she's opened her French windows And she's combed her yellow hair Now the lady she lies murdered But with what, by whom and where They say it could not be the king He's in Dunfermline town And likewise poor Sir Patrick Spencer's elsewhere And he's drowned It was down some secret passage Down some stairway she descends And she's met with little Musgrave They were clearly more than friends Yet their lovemaking was brief For that's the way it's always been No sooner have you started And some bastard will walk in Say now do you like my billiard room And how do you like my hall And how do you like my lady fair God we've done bugger all It's well I like your billiard room It's well I like your hall But if your doors had locks on I'd like that best of all And maybe they were poisoned And maybe they were shot The deadly deed was clearly done But where, by whom, with what? Find your trousers, Musgrave Thus the murderer began For it will not be said I ever slew a naked man You shall have the candlestick and I shall have the axe Your chances will be minimal and mine will be the max Oh fair and foolish miss to leave the safety of your room It seems that passion came to this But where, with what, by whom? Matty Groves and Lady Donald know their alibis were sound For they were somewhere else and six feet underground Could it be Colonel Mustard? Was the killer Reverend Green? The policemen grew most flustered as they viewed the murder scene. No evidence lay here, for all the carpets were made muddy. 
And sixteen on the King's Royal Deer were wandering round the study. The sprung floor of the ballroom, it was thickly caked with dung. And a young chap from Bohenny had been taken out and hung. And then up came Professor Plum, and the police as is their way. Oh, they produced a bloody axe and planted it in his Mondeo. Someone went to fetch the judge, and he performed his party tricks. He looked over his left shoulder and he threw a double six. The professor was found guilty, for it seemed they didn't care about with what and where, by whom, much less by whom, with what and where. And I was party to it all, and I said not a word myself. I put them all back in the box, put the box back on the shelf. Welcome back to Traditions. I'm Ron Alesco, and we're about to finish our little visit with Les Barker. Could I ask you for one more before we uh, we have to, to call it in okay. an afternoon? <laughs> I want to try this cough button. You want to yeah. try the cough button? I don't know if it really works. It, <laughs> yes, it works. It worked. Very good. <laughs> Les testing out all of the uh, attributes of our radio station here. Oh, I'll do this one then. Go placidly amid the noise and haste. And remember what peace there may be in silence. Do not walk behind me, for I may not lead. Do not walk in front, for I may not follow. Go over there somewhere. Speak your truth quietly and clearly. Be open-minded, but do not lean forward or your brain may fall out. Know that there will be good days and there will be bad days, and this is one of them. Always dismantle and clean the dog before going to bed, but avoid the use of spot remover. You may never see him again. You're a child of the universe. It is a small world unless you have to paint it. Do not wish for everything unless you have a really big cupboard. Avoid loud and aggressive persons. Sleep well. If you cannot sleep well, practice more often. Borrow from pessimists, they don't expect it back. <laughs> Remember, if you give a man a fish, he will eat for a day. Teach him to fish and he will sit in a boat and drink himself stupid. It is always darkest before the dawn. That is the time to steal your neighbour's newspaper. Be gentle with yourself. Bear in mind that depression is anger without enthusiasm and good health merely the slowest way to die. Never argue with a fool, for he is doing the same. <laughs> know that if at first you don't succeed, skydiving was not a good idea. <laughs> Always remember that all is not lost, though I haven't seen it for some time. Be yourself. If you cannot become wiser, try to be older. Never stand between the dog and the lamppost. And never hit a man with glasses. Always use something bigger and heavier. And remember that some people are only alive because it's illegal to kill them. A closed mouth gathers no feet. Nature abhors a vacuum cleaner. Be cheerful. Strive to be happy, and remember that your sole purpose in life is to serve as a warning to others. Go far, and start as soon as possible. 
gosh. I I have to rest my mouth here. I've just been smiling all afternoon. Les, it has been such a pleasure to have you in our studio and and share these pieces with us today. Les, you have some wonderful CDs and, and books available. Any plans for more? Any plans for more recordings? You seem like you record one a year. Do you have anything uh, you're working on now? The next one should be a solo album. Uh-huh. Um, I'm probably about halfway through writing this stuff for it. There's a sort of three-year cycle of a solo album, a Mrs. Ackroyd band comedy album, and then a series album the year after, and it's it's the it's the the solo one next. Okay. Well, we're looking forward to that. I want to end with um, another piece from The Wings of Butterfly. This is a, a piece that, that, that Pete Morton sings, Chaos. Yeah. Um, yeah. The times that we've been living in these last few years, this album, even though you recorded it in 1998, um, unfortunately, it's still timely. Yes, I'm afraid it is. Um, that particular track, was it started out partly because Britain was selling Hawk trainers to Indonesia to oppress East Timor. And as we record this interview, Britain has just had another arms fair, which Indonesia are still invited to, and they're oppressing mm. another island over there now. And mm. it, it's it's a it's an awful fact that well, America is selling about fourteen billion dollars worth of arms to the rest of the world every year, and yeah. this is supposedly a way of stopping terror. It, it isn't, is it? Not it's, at it's all. a way of making money. Not at all. And Britain is doing just the same. Les, I can't thank you enough for coming here today, and. Uh, We'll see you again real soon. Oh, I hope so. Have I enjoyed it? Oh, can I play with your button again? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> I think we better go into chaos. <laughs> takes flight to drink from summer streams A soldier of a perfect race takes one more pace on eggshell dreams His silver streams will shine with light, will sparkle with a thousand lives will carve their ever broader way to rivers made of broken lives The wings of butterflies can raise a storm a world away The well-paid men who spawn the hawk spurn the thought of far-off prey The king will never know An easy road or a simple plan These are the plains where chaos reigns in self-made chains All hail to man Perfect home, a job well done, a wage hard earned, a family fed. While halfway round the world unseen, your silver wings leave hundreds dead. Your votes well cast for secret men have made a life as safe as this for honest men whose hands have turned the nuts and bolts of Judas's kiss. 
wings of butterflies can raise a storm a world away and maybe we should tread with care when we walk the earth today the king will never know an easy road or a simple plan these are the plains where chaos reigns in self-made chains all hail the man a perfect day a butterfly takes flight to drink from summer streams A soldier of a perfect race takes one more pace on eggshell dreams. His silver streams will shine with light, will sparkle with a thousand knives, will carve their ever broader way to rivers made of broken lives. Hello, I'm Les Barker and you're listening to Traditions on 89.1 WFDU, pronounced FDU, <laughs> T-neck, spelt T-E-A-B-A-G. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs>